Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. Okay, here we go. So this is the first sermon on Hebrews. Uh, Sam did a, an intro one last week, so if you haven't seen that, get on it. Uh, but this is the first chapter. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever, and the righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, in the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Oh, let's, uh, let's just pray and ask Jesus to help us. We've seen in Mark's gospel, isn't it, that he, uh, he's opened the eyes of, a deaf man, of, of the blind man and opened the ears of the deaf. That's such a, such a great uh, encouragement, isn't it? I was thinking on this this morning, like when I got to preach to you guys, you know, like, oh, Jesus, just help me. I feel like deaf and blind. Um, I feel like I'm just stumbling along, trying to figure out the way. Uh, but he's able to help, isn't he? He's able to help all of us. So shall I pray? And then we'll have a look at Hebrews 1. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for your word to us. And we pray now that you would help us. We do have wicked hearts, uh, hearts that are prone to go away from you. But Lord Jesus, we thank you. You can, you can uh, deal with our hearts. You can make us clean. You can open our eyes and open our ears. In Jesus' name, amen. So last night, uh, we had a takeaway. I know, like... Loads of people have been having takeaways, and my stomach looks like I've had a few. Uh, but we had a takeaway last night. But this one was a bit different from any other I've had recently. It was an Indian. We don't usually do Indian takeaways. We do Indian restaurants, Chinese takeaway, right? That's the way it goes for us anyway. Uh, but we had an Indian takeaway. The only reason why we went for an Indian takeaway is because it was from a top-notch place. See, I got an issue with trust in these sorts of things, you know, like Indians just let me down um, and you, you know, you feel it for uh, till the morning after often. Um, but this one was a top notch one. It was uh, from mint and mustard. Oh, yeah, on, on uh, Whitchurch Road. Um, and we ordered 
a lot. Um, we had some a gift uh, for Just Eat voucher, which was brilliant. So we kind of like, that gives you a bit of a platform, doesn't it, to launch off into even more food. Um, so we had it all delivered. I'm, I'm there like this, like the watchman on his phone, like if, because no one ever knows how to find our house, right? I'm thinking of, a, you know, investing in a neon sign, uh, saying number one, Penabrin Way. But no one ever knows where it is. So I'm like the watchman looking at his phone thinking, man, I'm starving and it's going to be top notch. It's going to be great. Anyway, it comes. But then as soon as we start tucking in, what also comes is, oh, I don't like that. It's a bit spicy. <laughs> oh, I don't know, Dad, can I have your poppadom? Because I don't like anything else on my plate. And you're like, no! You know, these are, these are the, the kids who like chicken nuggets from McDonald's. And you're like, no! Mint and mustard, man, it's so superior! It's like, this is amazing! And you bite into a piece of chicken on this plate, and it's confidence, you know? You're like, there's not going to be a minging bit about it. You're not going to be thinking, is this chicken or is it not? No, this is mint and mustard! And they're like, ah, too spicy. Don't like this. Don't like that. And their plates are still pretty full. You know, at the end of it, you're like, no, this can't be happening. It's a bit like that in Hebrews chapter 1. Believe it or not, it is. It's a bit like that with us as well as we look at Jesus. Here is the issue. These people look at Jesus and he doesn't do much for them. They look at Jesus and they are severely underwhelmed. Yeah, do you know that phrase, underwhelmed? Overwhelmed, be like, yeah, this is great. Underwhelmed is like, meh, meh. You know that phrase now, don't we? Meh. That, that is what they are. That's what the people are like. They look at Jesus and they're like, meh, you know, he kind of, we turn up every week, he does the same sort of things. He's all right, isn't he? He's all right. It's, it's, like, it's like McDonald's nuggets, that is. When like what is on, what, who is actually standing in front of you is like, he is something else. And we've got to recover this, right? Because I think we're in these sort of uh, shoes here. Of what, we come on a Sunday, yeah, maybe, and you, know, you do RBT or something. And, but Jesus doesn't really cut it. You know, you're like, well, yeah, I could probably leave or take him, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I, could, I easily choose Netflix over him, really, in the, in the grand scheme of things. I choose a lot of things over him because, really, he's a bit, yeah, he's, he's great, isn't he? Yeah. He's, like, very underwhelmed. And that's what these people are like. But he can't be underwhelmed when we look at Jesus, right? Because the Stuart Elliott quote, isn't it, from last week and from Wednesday, is off the chain good, isn't it? What does he say? The antidote to every spiritual illness is a better sight of Christ. It is the medicine that cures all spiritual trouble. So if Jesus underwhelms you, then it's like you just carry on as you are, right? is that you're like a bit of a glowing brand in the fire that's almost dying out. As you look into the fire, we have a wood burner, and as you look into it, you're like, it's gone out. And I'm like, no, I'm like a magician at this point. I open all of the vents, and before long, it starts to glow red. You add some more wood on that, and boom, we've got it again. But if you feel like that, you're a glowing little ember that as someone looks at you, they're like, you've got no spiritual life. I don't know if you're alive. Jesus doesn't overwhelm you anymore. You're not excited about him. You're severely underwhelmed. We need to see who Jesus is then, don't we? We need to see him because he is the antidote to all of our spiritual ills. And we need to see him. And so Hebrews chapter 1, and indeed the whole book of Hebrews, is there to shove Jesus in your face. That's what it's there for. 
And this, uh, whoever wrote this, isn't it? Well, the Holy Spirit has put in chapter one the witness of God the Father. This is so good for us to realize. So as you read John's gospel, John chapter eight, you read these things, don't you, that Jesus testifies about himself, who he is. But he's like, I don't testify on my own. My Father witnesses to who I am. And that's what we've got in Hebrews chapter one. We've got the witness of the Father. The witness of John the Baptist is great, isn't it? We love it, don't we, the witness of John the Baptist. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Look, here's the one who baptized with the Holy Spirit. Great. But Jesus doesn't go there, doesn't he? He says, John's witness, you know, you went out to find out from him who I am. But I've got a witness weightier than that. It's the Father. And we have in chapter 1 the Father's witness. God in the past spoke to our forefathers through the prophets and at many times and in various ways. Here we have the very subject of the Father. Who does he, what does he like to talk about, the Father? What does he want us as a church to know? From the very beginning of the Bible, it's about his son, Jesus. It's about Jesus. So in the past, so in the Old Testament, you find how is it the Father communicates Jesus to the church? Oh, mate, in many ways, in many ways, over a whole span of years. So he sets up, you know, all the feasts in the Old Testament, all preaching Jesus. Great, isn't it? What a cool way to preach about Jesus through the, the feasts. Then through sacrifice, they take the sacrifice of, this is how you think about Jesus. Then the priest, do you remember we looked at his clothes? What does he have? Jewels, doesn't he, on his shoulders? Jewels on his breastplate. It's like, oh, that's lovely, that is. Preaches about Jesus. The Father wants us to see his Son. The Father wants us to be as excited about his Son as he is. And so he puts him forth. He said, no, he turns up. That's what it says. In the past, God spoke about him in many ways, but now he sent him. Jesus turns up himself. And who is this one? Well, the identity of Jesus is really what consumes this first chapter. The first thing he says is that he is the son. He is the son of the father. He is the father's son. And how cool is this? That the one who has come is none other than the son of God. The one who uh, looks at the Father's in heaven on his throne, but he shares it with him. And it's him who has come down. So he is the son. Do you remember the, um, the parable of the vineyard? Uh, that the, it's almost like the father has set it all up, isn't it? The vineyard, and he puts people to work in it. And then he wants the fruit of all of that. But he sends his servants, and these are like the prophets, and they kill him. And he says, perhaps they listen to my son. And they send the Son. He sends His Son. That's who Jesus is. He is the Son. And you've seen this, haven't you, from Psalm 2? If you've watched any of the videos this week, Psalm 2, it's like He says, Today you have become my Son. This is the excitement, isn't it, of the Father for the Son. It's like every day, it's like He gets that, that text saying, He's been born. You've got a son. It's like, it's like that excitement, you know? And the father wants us to be as excited as he is. He looks at his son every day, and it's almost like he's never seen him before in his life. Isn't that amazing? Because they've been together for ages, right? Eternity past. And you think into heaven, don't you, into the new creation. 
man, how are we going to be excited about Jesus if we see him every day? <laughs> well, the Father sees him every day, and he loves him, and he's excited by his presence with him. So he's the son, but he's also the creator. Sarah's already mentioned that, isn't it, of some of the readings that have come up. He is the creator of everything, the whole universe, and he is the sustainer of it all. That's why you can trust him today for what you'll need tomorrow. Yeah, you look into the future, but there's one who sustains everything by his powerful word. That is who he is, the creator. He's also the exact representation of the Father. Yeah, so he is like the image of, of God the Father. So you've read in John, haven't you, about Philip. They're like, show us the Father. And he's like, Philip, come on now, bro. <laughs> come on, Philip. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is the exact representation of his being. See, that's why the father-son language is so important, right? Because he is a chip off the old block. He is the exact representation of the father. He comes like that. And he's also then the cleaner. Isn't that cool? Yeah, so he is uh, he's the son. He is the creator. He is the image or the exact representation. But he's also the cleaner. Isn't that cool? That's quite like, boom, right down here, the cleaner. He gets his hands dirty. He gets his hands dirty. Is this why you were so underwhelmed with him? I think it was Psalm 102 uh, or 104. I can't remember which one it is. 102, I think it is. That starts with that lonely man. That man who is like, I call out to you and you don't answer. Starts off by the man who struggles. The man who, who is weak. But then the psalm reveals that later on it is the son of the father. Maybe that's why he underwhelms you. Because you look at him and you go, isn't he the carpenter's son? Aren't his mothers and brothers with us? That's in John's gospel as well, isn't it? Is that why he underwhelms you? Because he's on his hands and knees. He's got rubber gloves on. You know, he's got an apron on and a bowl of water. And he's the cleaner. He has come to make purification for our sin. In all of your mess, the mess that you make of your life, he comes along and he cleans it up. He cleans it up by becoming one of us and becoming dirty like us. He goes to the cross and becomes us. Is that why he underwhelms you? No, he is the son. The son who becomes the cleaner. He is the creator that becomes the cleaner. He is the exact representation of the father to us. And he becomes the cleaner. All of the quotes in this chapter back up these three identities. But the purification one, the cleaner one, he's going to hit several times as we go into the book of Hebrews. But are you in that place this morning, underwhelmed by Jesus? It's been a hard, almost a year now, isn't it? It's been a hard year. Yeah, it has. Yeah, and you've been treading water, isn't it? Trying to keep your head up. You're dealing with difficult things at home, dealing with difficult things at work, dealing with difficult things in friendship and family life, and we haven't been turning to Jesus. Maybe that's it, is it, that we look at Jesus and think, nah, I blame him for some of this. I blame him for a lot of it. He could easily sort it out by taking it all away. You doubt whether anything good is happening in this time. You're underwhelmed with him. 
You look at him and think he's nothing really special. Your, your um, familiarity with him has bred a contempt. Is that where you're at? Look at him afresh. You've got to see him. Otherwise, none of your, uh, none of your spiritual issues are going to be helped at all unless you look at him. Unless you go to him and say, Jesus, I can't see you clearly. Maybe that's really what comes out of this sermon is like, even the words you're saying, Lee, are like, yeah, so, yeah, they, they're, they're great, you know, or whatever, but it'll mean not much when I walk out of here. Just the, maybe the outcome of this sermon is that you just got to go, now he is the one who deals with people who are blind. He is the one who deals with people whose hearts, he's got so much dirt on there, you can't see who he is. You can't see any hope. You can't see any, um, any help coming to you. You just need to get with Jesus and say, Jesus, please help me. I'm blind to how amazing you are. You, you remember when you were on fire for him, you know? You remember when things were different. And you'd be quick to go to the circumstances, but it's not that. The circumstances, you know, have just shook the bottle, haven't they? These circumstances have sped up a lot of things that was already in our hearts. They brought them to the surface much faster then we need to go to Jesus. We need to see him as the answer for all our spiritual problems, for all of our spiritual needs. Go to him and ask, ask him, Jesus, show me who you are. Show me, because that's who the Father wants us to know. The Father puts Jesus before us. And if we're going to look for help anywhere else, then we're going to lose out. We're not going to get it. The Father puts him before us. The writer of this, uh, these sermons that have been collected in Hebrews puts him before us. The witness of the Father is for him. In him is found all that you need. In him is found all that you could ever want. Now, now look at him. Fix your eyes upon him. And if you're struggling with that, pray. Talk to him. Talk to him who will take you like that man in, that, in, in the Decapolis, wasn't it? Take that man. Just, it's just a you and him thing, this would be. Just a you and him thing. Lay it out to him. And come to him and just say, Jesus, I can't see you. And I, I want to see you. I want to. I can't hear you, but I want to hear you. And he'll look into your eyes. You know, he, he, it's such a, an intimate time, that, isn't it? He will come to you. And he will open your eyes. He will make you see. And then you will know you help. Then you will know all of your spiritual illness clearing up if we fix our eyes on him. Oh, Church of Gabalvary loves you. Yeah, he came down. The eternal son, the creator, became a creature like us. But he is so much more than that. He is the exact representation of the Father. The only one who can sort out a mess. The only one who can clean up the mess we have made of our life. Shall I pray? Lord Jesus, please help us. Please come to us and please make us see. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen.